So if you have your Bibles, your electronic devices, you can turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Uh, Paul is writing to the local church there, and he's writing to the church in Corinth, and he's talking about this issue of giving. They're an affluent church. They're a very wealthy church. And Paul is talking to them about you excel in everything. You excel in grace, and you excel in forgiveness, and, and you excel in many different areas. But one of the areas that you do not excel in is this area of giving. And so Paul begins writing, and he starts speaking to this local church there in Corinth. And I have entitled this message, One or Two. Um, I don't know if you've ever gone to the, the eye doctor, but the eye doctor, if they're going to give you a prescription for corrective lens, uh, they're going to walk you through a process to where at the end they start asking you, which is clear, one or two, two or one, one or two, two or one. And, and they do that to help get you the very best prescription to correct your, 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 your eyes. And sometimes we need to correct our spiritual eyes as well. And we have to decide in life, uh, one or two. Are we going to live life out of life out of materialism or generosity? Are we going to live life out of American values or biblical values? And Paul begins talking to this church in Corinth, and he begins talking to them about this issue of giving, this issue of money. It's interesting when you look at Jesus' ministry, two-thirds of his sermons dealt with the use of, of money and how we handle money. Because money, the way in which we handle our money, reflects our priorities. It reflects something much deeper. The fact is there's over 2,000 scriptures in all of, this, all of the Bible about this issue of use of stewardship of money and the use of money. Jesus talked more about money than he talked about uh, uh, Satan, than he talked about sin. fact is that he talked about any other subject because what Jesus says, where your treasure is, there is your heart. In other words, the way in which we handle our resources reflects something about us. Now listen, Karen and I, my wife, have given many testimonies about, about giving and and, and we're givers. I mean, when, when we uh, first got married, uh, we decided that we wanted to have a life of generosity, a life of giving, and we started giving in, in the early days of our marriage. And, and I could tell you story after story how God has blessed us financially, but, but the greatest blessing that has come to us is what he's, what he's done to us, what he's done to our heart. I'm a better person when I give. People are better people when they give. Giving is the only thing that pushes out greed and, and self-indulgence and all of those other things out of your life. And we are better when we're givers. I'm going to give you three principles this morning before we pray together about this issue of money and what Paul was talking in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. The first thing is this. The world's attitude towards possessions is materialism. The world's attitudes towards possessions is materialism. In other words, the, the problem with the church there in Corinth that they weren't giving the issue was is this issue of materialism. And that's why they weren't excelling in this area of giving. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7, here's what he said. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Now listen, Paul uses this word grace 10 times in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And this word grace literally is translated out generosity. 
it's this grace that leads to just generosity. It's this grace that just leads to giving. And so Paul begins talking about this issue of giving in verse 8, and he says, I say this not as a command, but to prove the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. In other words, we don't love just by words, but we love by actions. That you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And that's what Paul is talking about, that, the, that, that their giving is a demonstration of our love. And so he goes on and says in verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, he's talking about this issue of giving, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness and desire it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. And so Paul is telling them, you're doing well in all these other areas, except for this area of giving. And he begins talking about this issue of grace, and grace is this activity that is inspired by God's grace that leads to us being generous with our money or leads to us in giving. Uh, the Bible tells us that there's, there's three of the greatest temptations are, are the pride of the flesh, or lust of the flesh, and the pride of, of the eyes, and the, uh, I'm sorry, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. And those are the three greatest temptations that we have in life, and lust of the flesh is the desire to feel or to touch. It's that, it's that saying of, I deserve, to, I deserve it. I deserve to feel good. You deserve a break today. Or the lust of the eyes is that desire just to have that if it feels good, just do it. And I'll live my life off of emotions and I'll live my life off of what feels good. And then the other temptation is the pride of life is the a, is a issue of, of possessions. And I, I want all these possessions so that I, I want to be admired and I want to be accepted and I want to be loved and I want to be idolized. Fact is, marketers understand this better than sometimes in Christians. Fact is, you can take every commercial that you're going to see in, in, in the Bronco game a little bit later, and every commercial lines up with one of these temptations. The pride of life, the, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. They understand these temptations. Uh, John wrote in 1 John 2.16, he said, For all that is in the world... The desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from God, is not from the Father, but it's from the, it's from the world. And you're going to have to decide one or two. Am I going to live a life of materialism that is empty and hollow, or am I going to live a life of generosity? Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, he said, he said these words. He said, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Every one of us has to be on guard of this, whether you're a giver or whether you're not a giver. Every one of us has to be on guard of continuing a life, a life of generosity. And what Paul is trying to get the, the Corinthian church to understand is that in this area of giving, you're not excelling. In fact, is when you just look at statistics today, you realize that the average church in America does not excel in this area of giving. In fact, is there's some statistics that say that only 6% of Bible-believing Christians 
tithe 10% back to the Lord. Because of this issue of materialism. What would happen if we as a church, what would happen if we changed that? Can you imagine what would happen if we excelled in this area of giving? What great things God could do and could continue to do through us. This project is bigger than any one of us. And we've talked a lot in the Vision Desserts about not getting hung up on, on the how and how is God going to do this. But just focusing in on the why and the what. And the why we're doing this is so that we can reach this city for Christ. That we're totally out of room here. And that we can reach deeper into the city for Christ. And the what is this to where we're just obedient to him and obedient to what he's asked us to do. And this is what Paul is trying to get the church there in Corinth to understand, is just be obedient to him. Self-indulgence is like a world's view towards money, to where money is only to be spent on yourself, and the, the more wealth you have, it's just the more money that you can spend on yourself, and, and you never share it with others. You never give it away. After all, you've earned it, and it's yours, and the word, world will tell you that if you give your money away, it's, it's foolish. But you're going to have to decide one or two. In 1 John 3.17, the scripture says this, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? How does a person turn their heads to the needs of a church, to the needs of others, to those that are in need. See, what Paul is trying to get them to understand is, is love is more than just words. Love is an, love is an action. In, in Ephesians 4.28, Paul writes and he says this. He says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, do his honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. One of the reasons that we work so hard and one of the reasons that we store, steward our resources well is so that we can share with others, so that we can give to others because the Bible commands us and the Bible asks us in proportional giving that as God has prospered us that we are to give back to Him. 1 Corinthians 16.2, the Scripture says this, On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up. This is the same language that is used in Malachi 3 as he may prosper, so that there'll be no collecting when I come. In other words, what he's saying is, is that as we have been prospered, as, as he has given us wealth, that we're to give a proportion of that back to him. And no gift is too small and no gift is too large. That we give a proportion of our, of our, of our resources back to him. Second principle is this in the area of giving. And God's attitudes towards possessions is stewardship. God's attitude to our possessions is stewardship. In other words, instead of materialism, it's, it's stewardship. In other words, we understand that it's really not ours, that God has given us the ability to make wealth. God has given it to us. It is really his and not ours, and so we're, we, just, we just steward it well. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 and 2, here's what the Scripture says. He says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches in Macedonia. The churches in Macedonia were the opposite of the Corinthian churches. Uh, the churches in Macedonia, Macedonia was very poor. They, they, they were not wealthy at all. 
And all of a sudden, you see their giving level much different than the affluent. And so he goes on and he says, verse 2, For in severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth, a wealth of generosity on their part. In other words, they were poor, but they were generous. And then you see this issue, you see this, this thing in there where he says they, was just, they just overflowed with, with joy. In other words, the Macedonian churches, it was, their giving was a part of their testimony. They were known to be a giving church. And listen, part of Fellowship of the Rockies' testimony is our giving. I, it's hard for me to go anywhere in the community without someone walking up to me in a meeting or whatever and just telling me, saying things like, uh, we don't go to Fellowship the Rockies, but, but what we know about Fellowship the Rockies is unbelievable. The, the number of elementary schools that you guys have adopted and you guys have funded and you guys have helped, uh, the number of backpacks that you have bought for, for kids and school supplies, um, the, the, the homeless that you fed in the parks and down on the river, uh, the, the food drives that you've done, the single mom's oil change, the amount of money that you have given back into the community, part of our testimony. And part of your testimony is this issue of, <coughs> excuse me, is this issue of giving. And so what Paul is saying is this, is whether you're a part of, of, of the Corinthian church or you're a part of a, a poor church like the Macedonian church, that every one of us is responsible for stewarding our resources and for giving back. Some of the happiest, most generous people I've ever been around are on the mission field in some of the poorest places in this world. I've done missions in, uh, in Beattlestock, Poland, in, in Haiti, Peru, uh, the Dominican, uh, parts of Mexico, and I've been in some places of the world that was just impoverished, just very poor, and I have met some of the most joyful people, the most giving people. Fact is, I, I, have, a, I have a cross as a, as a reminder of that that I, I keep in my office, and and we were doing missions in Beattlestock, Poland. Beattlestock, Poland, in case you don't know where it is, is right up against the Russian border. Uh, we were there in the, uh, in, the, in the early 90s, five years prior to us being there. The Cher Chernobyl fallout had happened uh, because of the radiation that, that fell in the Beattlestock area. Most of the children, five years and younger, had horrible stomach issues and, and everything else because their food was contaminated with radiation. And so we were there and we're doing missions. And so we went into Beattlestock, Poland, and we couldn't say that we were missionaries or anything like that. And so we did English-speaking schools. And, uh, and I know that's hard for some of you to believe that I, I was a teacher in an English-speaking school. And fact is, I had the advanced group. <laughs> that's, that's true. And, and you know what? And I taught, you know, I was from Texas at the time, and, and I lived in Texas at the time. And, and I, taught them, I taught them Texan. And so it, it made everybody mad that was in the school because they could all tell my students uh, because I taught them words like fixin', like I'm fixing to go here, I'm fixing to do this. Uh, I also taught them, you know, Texans that I still don't understand it. Sometimes we end every statement with a, with a question like, do you want to go get a hamburger or what? Uh, you want to go to the movies or what? And so I taught them all of those Texan slangs and I taught them all of those things. And so in my group, I had a group of, of medical students uh, that, that were in my group. And, and uh, so we were there for a couple of weeks. And, and the reason that they were in, uh, in an English-speaking school is because they wanted to learn American medicine. 
and so they could see the teaching videos and they could see the procedures that American doctors were doing, uh, but they could not understand English. So they, they, they wanted to understand ling- English so that they could understand what the doctors were instructing and see the procedure. So these students who weren't Christians, they, they came to this class. I had like six to eight students in my class. And so we, we started teaching them English. And then, and then towards the end of the class, uh, I presented the gospel to them. And, uh, and all of them accepted Christ. And all of them prayed to receive Christ. And many of them, I'd seen their apartments. I'd seen their living conditions. And, and I knew that they were, were very, very poor. And I knew that they were struggling. And my last day in Bialystok, Poland, they bought me, uh, two to three of them went in together, and they bought me this crystal cross as, as a gift to say thank you. And this may not seem like much to us. Uh, this, this would cost in Beattlestock about 40 American dollars, but that represented their monthly wage, their monthly income, and they just gave this to me. I didn't want to take it. I knew what it cost them. And they're like, you have to. When they came to Christ, nobody had to teach them to give. Nobody had to teach them the principles of giving. When they came to Christ and Christ changed their heart, something happened. And their natural response was to say thank you, was to, was to give. I mean, God, God's a giver. And God has created us naturally to give. I mean, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, here's what the Scripture says. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. What a great phrase, that God blesses us, and God gives us resources, and God gives us things so that we can enjoy them. It is not wrong for having a nice car. It is not wrong for having nice homes. It is not wrong for taking nice vacations. It is not wrong for enjoying the resources that God has given us, but give back to Him. Give back a portion to him, is what he's saying. Verse 18, and they're to do good, to be rich in, in good works, to be, to be generous, to be ready to share. I mean, if God has given you abundantly, then give back to him abundantly. Verse 19, here's the, the tangible and the intangible blessings of God, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of what is truly life. I'm telling you, the greatest thing that God has done in Karen and I's life is not so much financial as it is is what He has done in our hearts, what He has done in our life. I am a better person when I give and when I'm generous. That's why Paul says, according to your means. Verse 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He says, so now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. In other words, give out of your resources. Get out of what, give out, out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, 
It is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. God does not evaluate the gift according to its amount, but according to one's ability. It's percentage giving. I mean, the church in Macedonia, they're given way beyond their ability. Fact is, we'll read later where Paul's like, they gave even more than they were expected to give. I mean, they have shocked us by what they've given. In fact, is 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2. He says, For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty has overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. I mean, Karen and I, we're, we're walking through this process with you. And we're doing exactly the same thing we're asking you to do. Just to pray and ask God what you should give over and above your normal giving to the faith project so that we can relocate the church, so that we can reach more people for Christ and impact this city. There's an illustration in our life, and Karen and I have shared plenty of illustrations about giving in our life, and there's an illustration that, we, that we've really struggled with, and, and we've talked to several people, we've prayed about it, and I've never shared it publicly, and I, I'm, I'm going to share an illustration with you that is just very private to us and very personal to us, but, but in the early days of, of Fellowship of the Rockies, the, the church was, was struggling, and the church was struggling, and God led us to sacrificially give. God led us to give over and above what we're already giving beyond our ability, what, what they would say with the church in Macedonia. Uh, we finished that year out. Um, I, I have an, a, a guy that does my taxes in Texas, and he did our taxes. He turned our taxes in. And um, as soon as we turned our taxes in, a few weeks later, uh, we, we get a notice from the IRS that we're being audited. And I don't know if you've ever gone through an IRS audit but, I mean, I was scared to death. I'm like, you know what? They're going to take our cars. They're going to take our firstborn. They're going to take everything we have. And uh, they were auditing us because they did not believe the amount that we had given to income. And they were wanting us to prove that. And so I, I got our records together. This was in the old school days when we actually still wrote checks. And uh, so I got all of our canceled checks together. I put them in a file it was a face-to-face -face audit, which was even more threatening. I drove up to Colorado Springs to the IRS building, and, I mean, you feel like you're walking into a prison. You go through three steel locked doors. It's like, hey, nobody must really like you guys. And so, uh, <laughs> so I go into the office, and this, this young girl comes out, and she says, hey, I'm, I'm your auditor. And she looked like she's like 13 years old, you know, braces and pimples and popping bubble gum or whatever. I'm like, okay. And so she says, I'm here to audit your records, and so can you prove your giving? And I said, sure. And I had this file, and I had all my checks stacked up, and I, I pushed my, my canceled checks across the table and said, here they are. You can go through them. I can answer any questions you have. And all of a sudden, she got emotional. And I'm like, are you okay? And she goes, you know, your audit's fine. She says, I'm I'm a believer, and this isn't normally how these types of audits go. This really speaks to me. And she said, my supervisor told me that if this audit goes well, 
she would like to meet you. And so she went and got her supervisor, and the three of us sat in there, and we talked about giving, and we talked about God. Supervisor was a believer as well. I'm telling you, your giving is a testimony. Your giving is a testimony to others. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. God has created us to give. The testimony of our church is in our giving and what we can do as a local body you see the church there in Macedonia I mean they not only gave sacrificially but they gave willingly they gave voluntarily I mean I've always believed that the church should not be built on the gifts and the talents of a few but the gifts and the talents of many this was the church in Macedonia in churches, when they raise money, they sometimes they use all kinds of gimmicks, and we're not going to use any of those gimmicks. We're not going to put a thermometer, red thermometer up here, right, and like let it go up as you give and make you feel guilty and talk about it every week. We're not going to stack bricks. Uh, we're not going to sell chairs. We're not going to sell parking places. We're not doing any of that. Here's what we're asking you to do, the same thing that Paul asked them to do. We're asking you just to pray and ask God your part. This is going to take every one of us. And just ask God your part. And whatever he tells you to give, just give that. Just commit to that. And see what God does in your life. Thursday night, uh, the 19th, uh, we're asking uh, families and individuals uh, to, to make their commitments, to decide to hear from God and make their commitments and write it down. I've had some, some people tell me this, that, hey, my, my wife and I or my husband and I were having conversations about, about the number and, and what we should give. And let, let us ask you a question. What if, what if we have different numbers? I mean, what do we do if we have different numbers? I said, that's easy. And so let me just answer that as your pastor for everybody. Just give the largest number. <laughs> Whatever the largest number is, just give that. We'll call it good. No, have conversations and come to that number. Come to that number together. I mean, here's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, over and above what they were already giving, of their own accord, begging us earnestly. Listen, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. In other words, they understood the investment they were making into the kingdom of God. In other words, they understood, but by giving, we are investing in the kingdom of God. And they looked at it as an honor to be able to give. They not only gave sacrificially, they not only gave voluntarily, but the scripture says they gave personally. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5 says, And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us and the Macedonians they gave first of themselves and then and then they gave to the Lord the third and the last principle is this our motivation to give is because of Christ's sacrifice for us the motivation to give is because of Christ's sacrifice for us. 
I am not only a better person because I give, but there's a second reason. And I, I'm kind of a bottom line guy, and this last week I was spending a lot of time just praying and thinking and, and talking with the Lord about what is the bottom line? Why, why do I give? I mean, why do I give? And I think one of the main reasons that I give and that I'm a giver is because I have never gotten over what Christ has done for me. I have never gotten over getting saved. I have never gotten over of the life He brought me out of. I have never gotten over what He has done for me. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor. He left heaven. He left the perfection of heaven. He took on the form of a man and came to this world and was tortured and was beaten and went to a cross and died for my sins and for your sins and on the third day he was raised again and because of that because of that we're rich in forgiveness because of that we're totally and completely loved in him because of that we're totally and completely forgiven because of that because of what he has done for us we're rich in hope the gift of eternal life the gift of a life that he has called us out of to a better life and he goes on and says so that you by his poverty might become rich John 3.16 says, God's a giver. For God so loved the world that He gave. He gave His one and only Son. He gave the most priceless gift anyone could give. And that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Karen and I are walking through this process with you guys. And we're praying and we're talking right now about our commitment to faith over and above what we're already giving. And it's the same thing we're asking you to do. And I know this week you'll start making your commitments and you'll bring your commitments next weekend. And so here's, here's what I'd like to do, just like I did last weekend. I, I, I would just like to pray for you as a church. So would you, would you just stand right where you are and allow for me to pray for you? Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you for today. And Father, we thank you for your love and we just thank you for your grace. And Father, we thank you for your, your son, Jesus Christ. And because of his death, that we can be rich in forgiveness. And Father, we can be rich in, in fellowship with the 
with Him and the body of Christ. And we can be rich in hope that we just know that we are totally and completely loved. We are perfect in Him. We're totally and completely forgiven. And we have the gift of eternal life. And we thank you how you've richly blessed us. And Father, we thank you for how you've blessed this church. That you've given us a a piece of ground that's worth $4 million that we only paid $365,000 for. And so we know that only comes from you and that only comes from your hand and we tell you thank you. And we give you glory and honor for that. And so, Father, you promised us that you will make a way and that you've been making a way for 20 years here at Fellowship the Rockies. And we look forward to how you're going to make a way. And, Father, may we hear from you. And, Father, whatever you ask us to give, would we just give that? Will we just commit that to this faith project? Father, would we know that we're investing in the kingdom and we are a part of something that's bigger than every one of us. And it's going to take every one of us, just like the church in Macedonia. And so, Father, may we give willingly, may we give sacrificially, and may we give personally. And, Father, we just look forward. We just look forward to see what you're going to do through this project. The lives that are going to be transformed, the lives that are going to be touched. And may Pueblo, Colorado, and surrounding areas be a better place because Fellowship the Rockies is here. For we ask these saints in Jesus' name, amen. Would you please be seated? With your heads bowed and eyes closed, let me just ask you a question. What is God saying to you as a result of this message? Maybe more importantly, what is your next step? What is He asking you to do? It may be that it's your first step to where you need to enter into a relationship with Him and ask Him to come into your life and forgive you of your sins and start a relationship with Him. Maybe you know him. What is, what is your next step? Is it one or two? Is it the world's way? Is it materialism or a life of generosity? What is your next step? Maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, you know what, I, I just need someone to pray for me. I, I'm carrying a burden. I, I have a prayer request. And I, I, I need someone to pray for me. Well, we want to pray for you. In just a few minutes after I pray, we're going to stand. And when we stand, if you need prayer in any area of your life, whether it's a relational issue, a financial issue, whether you're trying to discern God's will for the future, whether you want to pray for someone else, it may have to do with something that I talked about. It may have nothing to do with what I just talked about. That's okay, too. If you're carrying a burden, if you need prayer, we want to pray for you. So after I pray and we stand, if you need prayer in any area of your life, as you stand up, would you step out? Begin making your way down to the front. You don't have to walk alone. People be walking with you. 
You have to be a member of Fellowship the Rockies. This isn't just for members. Fact is, this is for all of us. This isn't about membership. This is about ministry. And if you need prayer in any area of your life, after I pray, we stand, you come. Father, we thank you just for your love, and we thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you for the power of your name and the power of your word. And so, Holy Spirit, we just ask that you draw everybody close to you. That, Father, we just respond to you. And that we just be obedient to you. And those that need prayer, those that are carrying a burden, Father, may they respond to you. And may they find comfort. May they find support. May they find encouragement. Father, we thank you for the stories of answered prayer when people have just humbled themselves and prayed. So, Father, we look forward to see what you're going to do this morning. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.